Hello, and welcome to the Bound by Books podcast. Today, we're going to be looking back on the best clips of 2021. First up, from I Wouldn't Kick Thor Out of Bed. <laughs> yeah, and yet, you ask the majority of, of Marvel fans, uh, they're, they're going to pick Loki. Loki. Yeah. I mean, I'm not kicking Thor out of bed. Don't no, I mean, I mean, who would? <laughs> who would? But... But I don't want to follow his story. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to know all of his deep, dark secrets because I don't think there are that many. Although, again, they've done a lot with that character. And and in large part, I think, to to the actor. So definitely props to him. But I I don't care as much because he doesn't have the same level of depth that Loki does. So going back to your books for a second, when you're writing characters since we do predominantly write romance, although I know that you you have a lot of genres. <laughs> I really do. But predominantly romance. So we are writing towards a female audience. Mm-hmm. How do you set up your hero? Like, what are your heroes typically like? Well, see, my I, I tend to write... I tend to write characters who feel like they are broken and they feel Mm. like they are discarded. And then the arc becomes them sort of overcoming that um, sense of worthlessness, that sense of the arc is the sort of trusting to love themselves. And so the themes in a lot of my books are, are similar, that they start out in one place and then they end up changed and evolved. But the things that they learn by the people that they interact with. Mm-hmm. And that that's a that's a common theme for me because I think it's so, so universal mm-hmm. that I feel like so many people, especially in society today, don't feel like enough. They don't feel good enough. There's this constant comparison to to other things and the media is like, you know, it, it just drills into us that we aren't good enough, that we mm-hmm. aren't uh, special enough, or we aren't a superhero. We're just, a, you know, right. whatever it is. So I like to write those characters that are so completely low and see how life can help them change perspective. So my heroes aren't the the kick-ass badasses that, mm-hmm. that your heroes uh, predominantly are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that they're considered the hero because they end up becoming the hero to themselves. Oh, I love that. that may- now from It Was a Graveyard Smash, Hot and Scary Book Creatures. Do you remember, and, and maybe you don't, do you remember the very first uh, taste of paranormal or a fantasy book that you read? The, the first one that made you go, ooh, I like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I do. I My head always went towards things that weren't um, of our world. Mm-hmm. Um the first one that I ever ever really grabbed me by the throat and or, or like we say, grab your reader by the face, you know, was Anne Rice is Vampire Chronicles. I absolutely fell in love yes. with the with the the intensity of her story and with the the world the, that she built, you know, and I, you know, New Orleans had become a, like a second home to me after that. And um but even before that, it was historical fantasy, historical fiction that grabbed me. And I, I read um, The Wolf and the Rose. Um, 
The Wolf and the Dove. My book is The Wolf and the Rose. <laughs> the Wolf and the Dove by Kathleen Woodis. And it takes place in the, you know, in the 1100s, you know, between the Normans and the Saxons and so forth. And so it kind of, even though it was historical, I was there. I was living it. I was, you know, through their eyes. I was the Aislinn, you know, the, 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 the main character, you know, and the, the Norman bully, big, huge, gorgeous man who, you know, had a, had a, a very, uh, uh, a decent streak through him, you know, so to save him from being this, 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 this conquering warrior um, just swept me off my feet at 13 years old. And that was it for me. Our next clip is from Tell Me If the Dog Gets It. But on the flip side, you know, I am getting into sci-fi romance and aliens are a whole other thing because aliens can be whatever from interesting appendages to all kinds of things in your imagination that would very much fall on the taboo side if they were human in any real capacity, if we consider them human. I mean, even the idea of sleeping with an alien is <laughs> kind of a taboo topic. I will be very honest. I have never read, read a sci-fi romance. Oh, I've read science fiction before. World. <laughs> <laughs> I've read science fiction before, but I have never read a sci-fi romance. So I'm I'm a little intrigued as to this whole fascination with the aliens. Mm -hmm. I don't I I mean I I had this I had a sci-fi phase in my teenage years where I, I really like sci-fi sci-fi in general. I was reading this new star wars you know books and mm -hmm. um dune and, and things like that i mean i was all into that and then i kind of as i got more into romance that just kind of fell off mm -hmm. the radar i was like nah i i prefer the romance we'll go in that direction and i read a lot of historical romance at first and then i kind of just gradually kind of gravitated more towards the contemporary and I've stayed that way for years right. and years and years but yeah that's that's very interesting I didn't even think when we were when we were kind of first talking taboo how the alien thing would would drive that in home with the taboo because yeah you <laughs> really interesting with that I mean hmm. there's there's the Blue Aliens, which is Ruby Dixon's uh, Ice Planet Barbarian series, which is older, has taken the book talk community on TikTok by absolute storm. I, I've never quite seen anything like it. I forget when the first book was written, but it, it is definitely one that has been out several years. And they bumped it up to number one in the charts very quickly just by you know, osmosis of people being interested in these blue aliens from seemingly nowhere. And that considerably is probably on the tamer side. There's aliens that range the gamut. Most of them, of course, are humanoid and, and we're talking about human-like qualities, but some of them wow. certainly go a whole other realm. And if if shifters are uh, skirting the line, then then some of these aliens are jumping right over it. <laughs> Next up, from Should Writers Only Write in One Genre. What were your first books? Where did you start with? So the first, I started first with uh, Pulled. Um, this one I, I wrote because I wrote it as an actor 
the main character is going to acting school because that's what I knew. And that was the advice, write what you know, right? So I, I wrote a story about an actor going to an actor school and, you know, finding her twin flame, the, the literal other half of her soul in a, an acting partner and what that disorientating sort of feeling would, would be like. Um, and I wrote that at a time when I had two small children in diapers and as a, I also do theater as well, but because I had small children, I couldn't really do theater anymore. So I didn't have that sense of escapism anymore. And I was sort of like, I had just become mom and that was my only identity. There was, <laughs> there was no Danielle anymore. And I think writing was an escape to, to become, you know, a creative person mm -hmm. when I couldn't tap into the theater I tapped into the writing. And so the writing became that vessel for me to sort of escape the world, much like reading is an escape mm -hmm. from the world. Mm -hmm. that, that became my sort of escape yeah. from things. And now from Do Writers Ever Grow Up? Okay, so you, you like stand almost like um, the ghost of Christmas present and you watch what's happening and, yeah. then, and then document it. Yeah, that's the difference right there between you and me okay. is my characters, most of the time, my especially my female characters, and even sometimes a little bit of my male characters, they're me. When I'm in when I'm in their world, I'm them. I feel so much like I'm standing next to the main character and looking. I, I love how I am in the scene watching them and standing beside them and, and, and seeing what happens. They love that aspect of it. But that is very, that's interesting that you say that. So that is the difference. Interesting. I really yeah. like this. Yeah. Our next clip is from Making Writing a Priority. <laughs> what are some of the um, bad habits that you have found from newbie authors? Oh, what are what are some of those that <laughs> coming in coming into it? I, I'm just curious a because again, book, like you said, I feel like I should have a guidebook of all these things. Um, <laughs> honestly, I I think some of the the worst habits is mm -hmm. expecting to be the expecting to be some like superstar best selling author right out of the gate. Like you've you've mm -hmm. just put in your very first book, it's about to be published, and there's this very high standard and expectation for what's going to come out of that. And the reality is even traditional authors at traditional publishing houses, it's very unlikely that that's going to happen. We're talking about mm -hmm. the 1% of authors that that's going to happen to where their debut book is going to be some flyaway bestseller. And I think, you know, having that expectation really sets the whole standard for a debut. And can make it really depressing and and not a good experience for an author so part of what i've been learning honestly as a publisher is to have a lot more communication with the with debut authors in particular about hey you need to have a website you need to get on at least one social media platform that you're comfortable with you don't have to do them all but pick one mm -hmm. and and fly with it because you have to have a way to connect with your readers start a newsletter. Yeah. Newsletters are still valid and they're still super, super important and a great way to connect. Like 
Stop looking at reviews for the love of God. When your book comes out, stop reading reviews. They're not for you. They're for your readers. Stop. That can tank an author so fast, especially a debut who's not developed kind of that thick skin yet. Don't look at the reviews. Keep writing. Keep concentrating on connecting with your readers and and making that process be a good thing. Because the second you start to to turn and it becomes a negative, that's when you're going to lose the career. Back with another favorite from I Wouldn't Kick Thor Out of Bed. And that's 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 speaking again to the power of your audience. The, yep. the, the, the readers maybe don't understand the raw power mm-hmm. that they have, both in you know reading and in film. If if they respond to characters, you can bet that the writers in the room are paying attention to that. And we want to give you more of what you love. So if you're ever reading a book and you love a character or a story, let the writer know so that they, (laughs) so they go, oh, you want more of that? I haven't heard from anybody about this character, so everyone must hate them. But the best thing that you can do if you want more of that character is let the creator know, right? Absolutely. I had that experience with um, writing Red Alert because I started Code Black and I knew, and I don't get me wrong, I loved my main characters in Code Black, but I was writing this side character who was so loud in my head, who had all the um, Spike from Buffy vibes, but like all the things we didn't like about that just taken out and just this cool, you know, sassy kind of vampire who just would not shut up. So when I introduced him in the book, I kind of knew that that readers were going to go nuts for this character. And it turned out to be right. My only mistake, unfortunately, was life coming in and writing the book five years in between. So I made the readers wait five years, which they were not happy about. Um, But I got a lot, a lot of emails and a lot of reviews being like, "Um, hello, we want Drake. Hello, we want Drake. Can you write him already? And I'm like, life, life is in the way. I'm so sorry. Pesky Um, life gets in the way. (laughs) But that was, that was definitely an instance where like, I kind of knew beforehand because I was getting such vibes from this character that there was going to be a clamoring for this side character to have his own series. And unfortunately it just had a, had a little bit of life happen in between, but he did get his book. So if you haven't read it, go yeah. ahead. I mean, and, and sometimes that's, that's the thing. And now for a clip from holding out for a hero. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about for you, but for me, when it comes to heroes, my heroes are not boy scouts. They're not all good. They're just, it's like that, that phrase from one of the, my favorite, it was uh, Little Women. Yes, the original Little, little Woman, with, well, not the original, but the one with Winona Ryder that most people know, um, where she says, you know, you wouldn't want, the mother says, well, you wouldn't want a bad man. And she says, well, um, no, of course not. I want a good man, but I wouldn't mind if he had, if, if, he, if he could be bad, but chose not to be. So that's kind of like my, my mindset is this, is that they have the potential for violence. They have the potential to be, you know, to, to, to go to the dark side, so to speak. You know, they have wine and cookies over there. So who wouldn't want to go? Um, but they don't. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're kind of ride that line a little bit with the uh, almost the anti-hero, but yet like just getting glimpses of that anti-hero, but yet you're still fall on that line of 
the hero, you know, the good, that they're good in their, in their soul. Mm -hmm. Um, I tend to, my tagline for my books is sexy stories, real heroes. So my heroes, I tend to, um, like ones that are relatable, but they still have that, uh, that commanding quality that is very much, but it's very realistic where you could see them in everyday life, but yet they're the, they're kind of the ideal in my head things. My mom, my mom actually said that I write stories that they're, <laughs> they're the way you always hope a man will be, but us not always. Next up from virtual versus in-person conventions. <laughs> so that is that is the story. Um, as an editor, I've I've taken teams with me to to conventions because of through the small press through City Isle Press. Um, we sometimes go as a team, and <laughs> one of my editors has gotten pitched literally in the bathroom. <gasps> no, yep, in the bathroom, <laughs> like through the door, through the stall door. <laughs> In the ladies' room. I, apparently, she was washing her hands, so she, it was not, like, through the stall door, so there's, you know, a little small saving grace, but, yeah, in the ladies' room at a convention. I, I myself have been pitched while I was sitting on the floor packing a bag that we were um, packing up. I think it was after, gosh, I can't remember now, but after one of the tables that we did, one of our vendor tables, we were packing everything up, and I was on the floor... Packing stuff up when when a person approached me and said, "Hey, um, do can I tell you about this?" And it's very hard to say no, even in that circumstance. I kind of was like pointing to the bag awkwardly, and then pointing to the person, and I was like, "Well, not the best time." And then they immediately went into their pitch, and I was like, "Okay, I guess this is happening." <laughs> Next up, from do I have time to write this story? I wanted to talk to you about uh, a little tool that uh, most readers and authors maybe might not think about when they're putting a book together. And that is the exciting topic of time management. Right? Yes. I mean, writing the book is one thing. It is one hurdle to just get the book down, but kind of a really major part of that process is time management. Well, you're not only talking about your time management in writing the book, but also marketing the book. Because that's a whole other well, time management issue. Yeah. Because um, I mean, you have to, you have, and a lot of times you're juggling both at the same time for two separate books. Oh, at least two separate yeah. books. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. know you, you, Danielle, you tend to write like what five books at the same time. I do, I do. <laughs> how you, how you keep track of that. I have no idea. Time management. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We no, all know so, you are the planner of the group. I mean, I, out of I the am. five of us, you are like the total planner. I mean, we, we just to give you, you all, all of our listeners, a little bit of an insight. Um, <laughs> whenever we need to plan something like in the future in our our group of five authors 
everybody looks to Danielle and goes, Danielle, could you please plan that out for us? Could you please right. put that in the calendar? <laughs> because she's I on top of you. it. She is on top of it. Yes. So yes. you have to be for five to keep five books juggling in the air yes. at one time. Yes. Well, and see, and then and it's something that I've learned over time. When I when I first started writing, I literally wrote just the one book. I would start on one project and I did it from start to finish. And it would take me a year to write a book start to finish. And then I could only ever release a book a year. And readers don't like it when you only put out a book a year. They want it. I mean, you've taken a year, right? You've taken a year to write this masterpiece and somebody reads it in two hours. And they're like, when's the next one coming out? I know. Next year. Now from TikTok is bringing authors and readers together. So there's a bunch of subgenres, and Hannah will, and I will get into the one that we're going to talk about, BookTok. But the actual platform of TikTok is very much about creating videos that are within your niche or about your life or are trending videos. And we'll talk about all of those things. But I do think at the very heart of it, it's about developing relationships and networking in a way that people may not think of on other platforms. Like I think of something like Snapchat right? Or Twitter. Um, It's it's more in the community sense as Facebook might be, where we have Instagram, where we're having these developing um, communities and friendships between people. And that's the thing that I really like about TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I think I would compare it mostly to the reels on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But the big difference, according to me, about Instagram and TikTok is that Instagram um, is still more about the glamorous, the, the perfect, the um, shiny, whereas TikTok, although there are many filters you can use to embellish yourself, mm-hmm. it, is, it is raw. It's more it is. like I, I am who I am. And I mean, mm-hmm. look at me, how old I am. And I'm on there and I'm not, I mean, I follow a lady who is like 79, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Holocaust survivor, and she has more than a million um, viewers and people wow. love her. So I think the, 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 the essence and why I love it so much is because of that rawness, of that um, just be who you are. As you said, the communities that form around that, it's mm-hmm. about authenticity. We've yeah. done with the with the slim models and the you know we embrace um, variety, everything, yeah. and that is so manifested on that platform. Do you agree? Absolutely. I also think it's very good at breaking down barriers between people. For example, there are some uh, very large name authors in in the industry on there, like I think Laurel K. Hamilton and, and Colleen Hoover come to mind who are connecting with, you know, your, your average reader in a way that's organic and couldn't really happen on any other platform. I think the reach and the opportunity to be able to talk to those authors and to have that connection is very real. And I do, I love the, the unfiltered kind of raw aspect of TikTok and and people just, you know, out there being who they are. Of course you get some of that, um, 
very pretty curated videos as well. But for the most part, I would say that the vast majority is, is very raw and organic. And I do love that about TikTok too. Yeah. From It Was a Graveyard Smash, Hot versus Scary Book Creatures. I mean, in my in my warped mind, fantasy always means something either ancient or sort of futuristic. For whatever reason, that's where my brain sort of goes, is that if it's not of this current time, which is totally not true, because you could have a fantasy that is set in modern times, but that's yeah. just sort of where my brain lumps to. Yeah. Um, and where paranormal stuff, it feels to me like it's it's stuff that could happen. Like it, it feels like it's a more believable thing that there might be vampires walking around us than, yeah. you know, Absolutely. whatever. I don't know. I guess it's closer to realism. To me. Well, I think it's because we think of that way because think about some think about the high fantasy books and like I mentioned Lord of the Rings before but even even to the extent of Harry Potter it does coexist with our world but think about their world they're still writing with quills and parchment and you know they you know they fly dragons yeah they they live in a castle where they they have they have candles they don't have electricity you know that type of a thing unless they're 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 illuminating with a wand which I love all that stuff so uh, but I think you're right I think you're right although there might be some people who have a different opinion but I am of this I am of the opinion that I agree with you so <laughs> well that's that's how most opinions should be agreeing with me <laughs> now from virtual versus in-person conventions but i have to say i did have one one elevator um encounter with angela knight who i happen mm-hmm. to be a fan of her mm-hmm. work and she was in the elevator with her husband mike and i was at the time the president of the paranormal romance guild Okay, mm-hmm. and you know they do reviews and and whatnot, and we had invited her uh, to to come to Undead Con with us mm-hmm. as our special guest in New Orleans, and she had ended up having to have some surgery, what have you, so she wasn't able to go. But we took pictures. She asked us to take pictures, so I you know and, and text them to her and email them to her. So I'm in the elevator with her, and she doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. So I said to her, I turned it and went, "Hi, Angela." <laughs> And she's so <laughs> tiny. She really is. She literally backed up like two feet, like it was like like positioning herself behind her husband. He was a big guy, you know. Mike's a big guy, and I was just like, no, no, don't be afraid. I'm Maria Maria from the from the Paranormal Romance Guild. I just want to know if, if you got the pictures from the convention that you asked us to text you. So Mike looked at her, and she and, and she kind of she went like this. Like she was like this. That's so, so funny. They're, they're just very cute together. They're very cute together. But he's like, yes, Aww. yes, we got them. Thank you very much. <laughs> so. Now for a clip from Do You Nano. <laughs> you know, that's been me. I have not yeah. won every year that I have participated in, you know, because sometimes life happens, right? And yeah. it, you just have to, to go where you go. And in fact, this particular project that I'm writing for Nano, I had not plan for. Usually, if I'm going to do nano, I will at least have a, a nugget of an idea. I'll have to say you something. are a planner. I you, are, you are the planner of the group. So if you went in literally with no, not much. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't even you. have a journal picked out. I had, I had oh. not put, I know I didn't have my outline, <laughs> my outline formula in here. I didn't have my character sheets. I had nothing. I had no nugget of an idea because I was like, I don't know if I'm really going to do it. I was just wasn't. And then uh, a friend of mine 
uh, said on Nano Day One, I'm looking at a blank screen going, hey, maybe this isn't the year I'm going to pull this one off. She's like, she gave me an idea. Your protagonist comes into a bunch of money, but it comes with a catch. And then boom, there was an idea mm. that instantly sprung into my head. And I'm like, well, damn it, here we go. Here's a project. And so I had to sort of work backwards. So I did that day's word count. And then I went back and I grabbed a journal and I started plotting the thing out. But it, it's funny how stories are like that. You couldn't do it without a plan. You couldn't just do it without a plan. I, you know what? I My first probably five or six books, I pantsed it. So I can do it. I can do it. But I can tell you the difference between those first ones that I wrote and my last ones. The first ones required way more time to edit because I was all over the place meandering. Mm. And I there some of the storyline was just like, where are you going? What is the point of your book? What is the story about, woman? Um, and after figuring out the plotting method, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what the story is about. I know what the theme of the story is. I know what the hero's journey is. So it just became clearer as a story mm. writer to write it. I'm still pantsing what's happening in each beat, but now at least I know roughly what beat comes next. So I have a mm. roadmap that at least tells me, turn left here. <laughs> How mm. you drive down that road, I'll leave up to you, but at least you know, left is probably a good idea here. You can go right, but you might get lost. Yeah. Last but not least, from the episode, I'm too sexy. But in doing the research, I just found that the almost the entire genre was Manchest, where as in other genres, there there can be Manchest, like I think paranormal romance, contemporary romance, but there's also some couples sometimes. Yep. So depending on the genre really spans that. But what do you think it is about these? these Manchester covers that are so popular in some genres? Well, um, you know, I know you know, but our listeners won't know that I, I recovered every single one of my, um, the, Roma, the the Howells romances, which are my shifter romances. Um, and I, originally there were couples on them, but the mm -hmm. minute that I put the sexy guy with the man chest out there, all of a sudden, everybody too is like, ooh, and they took notice. And it's just like, oh, yeah, everybody loves a, a little cut guy there. So <laughs> all the, 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 the muscles, the rippling muscles. In fact, I was joking with the with the. Of Danielle earlier, mm -hmm. the other uh, Danielle Bannister, another author that we do, that because I just had my recent move, you know, I mm -hmm. moved, sold my house and moved, and she, you know, we were talking about the movers, and I said, yeah, I said if they were supernatural hunks that we all love on our covers, you know, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be as as so upset about being so tired after having spending two weeks doing nothing but packing. But no, exactly. instead of instead of muscles gleaming with sweat, it was more like dad bods and and butt crack, you know, plumber's <laughs> crack. So, so yeah, this is why we gravitate towards the man chest. The man chest <laughs> cover. And I just wonder, like, what is it about like sci-fi romance to I would say for, again for the vast majority is very steamy. We're talking four to five spice levels on on the spice rating. So I understand why the the Manchester or Alien Manchester cover is certainly uh, prevalent in that genre. But I wonder with genres that maybe have that mix. Paranormal romance is a perfect example, right? Sometimes they can be ultra steamy, and sometimes they could be even closed doors, depending if it's a sweet paranormal romance. So we run the gamut of covers. Yep. Yep. 
Um, but with the with the super steamy ones, if it's in certain genres, it is it is definitely Manchester. How did you find your sales, if you don't mind sharing, of when you switched to the the Manchester? Company? Oh, it definitely went up. Definitely. Went up. <laughs> The other, you know, it was, it was, I mean, the other covers were okay. They were kind mm-hmm. of formulaic, but the minute that I had um, just the, these, these beautiful men on the covers mm-hmm. that you don't, they, and of course they, you know, unless you're, you know, married, you know, you're, you're uh, Lisa, I forgot her last name, who's married to Jason Momoa. You don't <laughs> see this every day. This is not your your typical, you know, your typical significant other. So sure. in life, so, but um, they did, they, they, it, it, people really perked up. People really perked up. I mean, perked up. <laughs> perked up. Yeah. Including yeah. me. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today and reliving all of the best moments of 2021. We can't wait to kick off the new year with you in 2022 on Bound by Books.